Alexa, remind me to order roses. I just noted hoses in your Amazon cart and sent you no, some Alexa, options. No, Alexa, I said roses. Calling Moses Mobile. <sighs> Hey, babe, don't forget the kids. I won't. Okay. Oh, I forgot the kids. Don't forget. I'm Elmo. First things first. All right, well, good morning, Liquid Church. Great to see you guys. Uh, welcome uh, to part three of our series, First Things First. Uh, we got to give a big welcome to all the people who came through the snow, the ice, the rain. Give them a hand. You made it to God's house. He's got something for you today. I'm glad you're here. And uh, before we actually, before we dive in, I need to, uh, I need to mention, um, we are starting a brand new series on February 3rd. I'm very excited for this, uh, to kick the preach-off message on, uh, 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 the, or kick off the... Uh, Preach the kickoff message, whatever. I'm going to start the series. Here, you know why I'm flummoxed? Here's what the series is called. Love, Sex, and Dating. And I've been calling it the LSD series. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, we live in this kind of, it's going to be very culturally relevant, right? Because we live in this age of Tinder and, and swipe right and, you know, casual hookups and, you know, no-fault divorce. And, like, how do you build healthy, godly relationships that can actually go the distance and that break the statistics. And so um, this is going to be a relevant series uh, on February 3rd. We're starting. It's really for four groups of people. I just want to let you know. It's for those of you who are single. Um, what should we be looking for in a potential mate? What does God need to be doing in you? It's for engaged couples. There may be some questions, conversations you want to have uh, before you get married. It's for married folks. You may be like, well, you know, love, what's does dating have to do with that? You know, JP, you're supposed to date your wife. You know that, Sam? You're supposed to date JP. So dating is, uh, is there. But then also if you're single again. Maybe you're starting over after a divorce. It's really, you'll be surprised how candid and explicit God's Word is about the fundamentals of a really healthy, thriving uh, relationship. So mark your calendar. That starts February 3rd, and make sure you invite a friend to LSD. Okay, today, <laughs> uh, today we're going to dive into part three of First Things First, and I wanted to actually talk about your work, uh, what you do nine to five, and you'll be like, why? I'm, I'm, I'm in church. Well, here's the deal. The reality is, whatever, wherever you work, like whatever you do, uh, whether you're a graphic designer, you're a teacher, a ballet instructor, you're an artist, you're a salesperson, you're a waitress, uh, maybe you're a professional, you're a teacher, you're a lawyer, uh, a CEO, if, if you, you work with your hands, construction worker, uh, you fix cars, doctor, stay-at-home parent, here's the deal. Your work matters significantly to God. Uh, did you know the average adult actually spends over half their life at work? That's why some of you are so tired, okay? So this is significant in God's eyes. And what I want to talk about today is how what you do, 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, really matters to God. And the question is, how do you put your faith first in the workplace? And I'm going to challenge you, I'm going to stretch you today, to think in a new way about this. Because a lot of people simply see their work as a paycheck. But if you look at the Bible, you're going to see that God asks his children to see our work as a form of worship. Can everyone say this with me? Work as 
worship. That's the title of today's message. And I think this could transform the way that you look at your job or your calling, your career. And I realize that's like a strange idea because I think most Christians see these as separate things, right? Like, let's be honest. Some of you are like, well, that doesn't make sense. Worship, that, this is what we do on Sunday at church, right? And then we just do worship, right? Like we sing, uh, we pray, we're about to, you know, learn from the scriptures. Worship happens on Sunday, but my work, that happens over here. That's like Monday through Friday. That's like at the office with that nasty woman, uh, you know, or my, my kids in my classroom. It's how I put food on the table. It's my career. Um, but the reality is we see these as two separate things, and God says they actually are tightly related and for most Christians, there's a disconnect between our faith and our job. We say, well, this is secular. This is the spiritual stuff. Or, or have you ever met somebody who's like, I like to bring my faith in the workplace. And it results in like all sorts of cheesy or awkward stuff. Like I'm opening a coffee shop called Hebrews. Got it? Or a deli. I'm going to call it I Love Cheeses. And then like everyone said, you know. We have these like awkward, anemic images of like, how do we, somebody just got that. Okay, good. <laughs> how do you bring your faith on the job? And, and, and I get it. Some of you are like, Tim, this is easy for you to say, right? Like you're a pastor. You're like a professional Christian, right? Like, you know, you're paid to be good, right? The rest, the rest of us are good for nothing, you know? But, but guess what? Listen to me. The Bible never makes a distinction between what's spiritual and what's sacred the way we do. God never asked you, give me your Sunday, and then you're on your own Monday through Friday. In fact, listen to this. Colossians 3 tells Christian workers, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for who? The Lord. Not for human masters. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So today I want to talk about what, is it, what does it mean to work for God in, in the marketplace or, or a classroom or the home if, you're, if you take care of kids, nine to five, wherever, whatever you do. And you're going to actually hear real life stories today. I want to introduce you to three people from the real world who are integrating their faith and their work uh, together. Um, this, this gal you're going to hear from, she actually is a fashion designer for Ralph Lauren, works in New York City. Um, he, Mike is a business owner, actually runs an investment management fund. And the third is actually a stay-at-home mom. Um, because some, I know some of you are thinking, you're like, well, how do you find God, you know, when you're changing diapers, you know, or running the kids around to their activities? Listen, we're going to get to these stories in a moment, but I want you to first just open your Bible to Genesis 1. This is about as easy as it gets to find, guys. First page, okay? Uh, we also have it on the mobile app. We have some notes here. First two chapters of the Bible, because I want to lay the foundation for what God's basic intention was for your work. And so I'm going to start with a quiz question. You ready? Think about your work. Did God originally intend work to be a blessing or a curse? How many of you say it was supposed to be a blessing? It's, work, work is a blessing. There's <laughs> like eight hands. That's amazing. How many of you are like part of the curse? Part of, part of the curse? Okay. Oh, this is, this is going to be good. All right. Let's go. Uh, I, I get why you say that. A lot of people don't enjoy their job and think, well, work was part of the original curse in Genesis, right? Adam and Eve disobeyed and they got cursed with work. But watch. You're about to see that far from being a curse, work was designed by God and given as a gift by God to his children. In Genesis 2.15, it says this, after God created Abraham, or Adam, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? Say it together. Work it. <laughs> and take care of it, okay? Now listen to this. This is so interesting. The Hebrew word for work here is Abad. Can you say that? Abad, which translates to worship. In other words, one of the number one ways 
that men and women reflect the image of God is by working. It's one of the main purposes that he designed us for. It's a key way that you reflect your Father in heaven. I mean, think about it. When God opens the scene in Genesis, what is he doing? What's God doing? He's working, right? Creator God, what's he doing? He's making sun, moon, and stars. He's calling things into existence. He's creating oceans and lands and, and birds and animals. He speaks, and the world explodes into color and takes shape and form. Twelve times in Genesis 1 and 2, we're told God made something. He created. And then he created the first human, and he puts Adam into the garden to do what? What's Adam's job description? Adam Work it and take care of it. Notice something? That Adam didn't just spend, you know, his time in the garden, you know, worshiping God by reading his Bible, singing songs and praying and staying away from a few bad apples, okay? No. Oh, some of you are going to get good today. All right. The number one way Adam worshiped his father was by doing the work he created him to do. Adam was God's first employee. What was his job? He's a landscaper, okay? He's a zoologist. He, he was a cultivator. See, working's one of the main ways that you and I reflect our Father in heaven. I mean, how many days did God work in Genesis? Do you remember? Six days. And what did he do on the seventh? He rested. Even God enjoys the weekend. <laughs> What's interesting in Genesis is that every time God creates something new, it says, and God saw that it was good. Notice something? doesn't say, and God saw that it was perfect and couldn't be improved upon. He says, God saw that it was good. Good is not perfect. In other words, God intentionally left room for improvement, for you and I to shape the raw materials and take God's good and make it even better. Good is good, but good ain't perfect. Perfect means you can't improve upon it. Here's a fun way to think about it. Uh, if you see my wife on a Friday night, when I take her out to dinner, man, she's perfect, okay? I'm telling you, she gets her hair done, nice dress, makeup, like, mwah, she is perfect, cannot be improved upon. When she wakes up the next morning, she's good. You got it? That, that, makes, that makes sense to you? Okay, I ran that by her. It's okay. You're, you're like, man, you're going to need that LSD series, Tim. That's a <laughs> Listen, th this, this is where you and I come in because both men and women were created to be, listen, God's co-creators, to take that which he created as good and make it even better. Genesis 1.27 says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female, both men and women. He created both. And then it says, God blessed them and said to them, here's your job description. Ready? Be what? Fruitful and in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves along the ground. Look at God's instructions. Be fruitful, multiply, fill, organize, produce, rule. In other words, one of the ways that you bear God's image as a co-creator is we partner with our Father in heaven by nurturing, cultivating, multiplying his creation. God creates this world in a raw state, a good state, so that his children could cultivate it for his glory and each other's benefit. You know, growing up, I thought Adam, like, was the guardian of the galaxy. Like, God's like, all right, protect the garden, you know? Adam wasn't a garden or a guardian. He was a gardener. He really was. He took the raw materials of the earth and developed and cultivated them, just like you, just like all of you do every day. Those of you who are architects and contractors, what do you do? You take the raw materials of, of sand and cement and wood and metal, and you, and you create buildings and homes for people to live in. 
Artists and designers, what do they do? They, they take the raw materials of color and, and, and texture and music or words, and they create these beautiful works of art, something out of, out of the raw elements. Lawyers take principles of, of justice and they codify them. They, they make laws that build and regulate society. And this is the big idea, guys, if you're taking notes. I'm gonna give you four qualities of work as worship, and the first one is this. Work as worship is our calling. It's our signature as Christians. How many have heard that word before, calling? A little different than career, okay, yeah. A lot of people think, oh, I know the difference. A career is like a secular job, like it's not, you know, Christian work. But when you have a Christian job, like, you know, Tim, what you do, that's a calling. Not true, not true. According to the Bible, every Christian is called by God to work, to discover that one-of-a-kind purpose for which you were created and put on this planet. You know, it's been said, there are two great days in a person's life. The first is the day that you were born. The second is the day you discover why you were born. That speaks to your calling or your vocation. Now that word vocation comes from a Latin root word voca. Can you say that? Voca. It actually means voice or to call. You see the word like vocal out of it? You get it? It's in other words, God's voice. You hear it. He's, how, he's calling you to work in his world in this way and it brings you divine satisfaction. Now, some of you know what this feels like. Not everybody. If you're one of the lucky ones who enjoys your nine-to-five job, your work, you're one of the few people who don't come home, you know, just kick the cat every day, oh, you know, frustration. But you actually come home, and at times, you may be tired, but you're like, man, you got this, this like, sense of satisfaction. You may not even be a Christian, but when you do what you do, you're like, man, it's hard, but this is exactly what I was born on this planet to do. You feel alive. You actually see the benefit. It, it, you're, you're not only good at it, it's challenging, but it's deeply rewarding. It helps others. You know, I, I honestly, I feel that way every Sunday. Like, I, like, I'm called to preach. How many of you would agree and say, I think, Tim, you found your voca, okay? You're calling. Like, that's, you're in your element. There's nothing I love more to do than, than, than bring the Bible to life for people. I, I had never had any plans to be a pastor, no ambitions to start a church. I just started speaking and preaching before I ever got a salary. And if I, if I didn't, I would do it for free anywhere. It's because it's my voca. It's my voca, my vocation, my calling, my grand purpose in life. Now watch. My calling just happens to be as a pastor. I'm in ministry, not the marketplace. But listen, that doesn't mean your job is any less spiritual than mine. It, it is critical you get this, guys. Everybody thinks by calling, well, that means a pastor or a missionary. But if you're a business person, or you're an entrepreneur, or, or you're an executive, you, maybe you work for a firm or a bank, and, and maybe you make money, or you invest it, you're creating wealth. What are you doing? You're being fruitful. You're multiplying. You're actually doing ministry in the marketplace. You're stewarding the talents that God gave you. If you're a teacher, and it's hard work, man. I was a teacher, I remember, right? You know, in the classroom, you're molding and shaping little minds, or you're raising kids at home. Guys, that is as spiritually significant as preaching of thousands in God's eyes. You are spiritually cultivating, shaping, planting seeds, and raising up the next generation. If you work in government, maybe you're a cop, or a town official, or you serve in the military, first off, thank you for your service. But, but you are God's hand of justice. You actually bring order and protection to society. There is no job that is not a calling when it's under the lordship of Christ. If you're a waitress, God actually uses you to feed the rest of us. You literally answer our daily prayer. Give us this day our daily what? You ever think about who answers that prayer? God answers the prayer giving you your daily bread, or sorry, we're fasting, rice cake. 
<laughs> Thank you for my hummus again, okay? <laughs> but when you, when you say, give my daily bread, Lord, God answers that prayer for you. Watch, watch this. By means of the farmer who first planted the crops, then the baker who actually, you know, ground it into flour and then into bread, then the truck driver, right, who, who delivered it actually to the supermarket, or, and then the marketer who promoted it, who said you need to go there, this is the brand you want to buy, and then the chef who prepared the meal. You got minimally five vocations or callings in answering a simple prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Martin Luther said, we are like the masks that God wears answering the prayers of other people. All these vocations are in play when God answers a simple prayer for bread. That's why work as worship is the calling of every Christ follower. Can I ask you something? You see your job that way? Like think about what you do right now on Monday morning or Tuesday, wherever you go and you invest the talents that God gave you. I know Megan does. Let me introduce you to Megan. She's a young woman who works locally right here in the city. She's a clothing designer for Ralph Lauren and I want you to listen to how Megan describes worshiping God through her calling as a fashion designer in retail. I grew up on a farm in the middle of Oregon, went to school in Seattle, and then after that moved to New York with some friends, kind of in search of an adventure, um, but also for a job in the industry. And started working for Ralph Lauren not too long after I got here. And slowly um, got to where I wanted to be in design and I spearhead the conceptual part of the design process and then also get to design garments um, until the very end. So I really am a part of the creative process from start to finish. With the design process you're doing really similar things each season and I think sometimes I do find myself getting a little bored, um, maybe anxious and it's in those times that I realize that my job is not just for my enjoyment, but it's really for God's glory. It's meant um, to be done well, and I need to maintain a level of work ethic and a quality of design that I'm proud of. I think the greatest way to worship God in your workplace is by loving those that He's placed around you. And the people around me have been with me for about three years, and so we know each other very well. And we have many conversations about our personal lives and it's been a really cool opportunity to be a listener, to be a friend, um, to love them, and to have them notice that there's something different about me, and the way that I live, and the way that I act, the way that I work, the way that I treat my boss. Um, one morning, specifically, a coworker, um, who's a good friend of mine, turned around and asked, why are you happy all the time? And I quickly realized that she wasn't just joking or teasing me, but she really wanted an answer. And there was a long pause and kind of this moment of like, I can give her a watered down answer or I can really use this as an opportunity to tell her why I'm happy. And not just happy, but joyful and live with hope and purpose. And it started many conversations. Um, she's definitely searching for happiness. And I got to share a lot of my faith with her. And it is an ongoing relationship and an ongoing story. And I definitely think that my job is much more than just um, a designer. It's much more than just designing clothes. And I definitely feel called as a missionary in my workplace. Isn't that cool? Right? Like clearly for Megan, designing clothes, it's much, it's, it's much more than just a paycheck. I describe it as a calling. 
She, she's like, I got to reflect God's creativity by, by, by making these beautiful aesthetic you know, designs that are pleasing to the eye. Uh, she likes to sketch and, and, and choose colors and patterns and fabrics and create things. And she says, I do it for God's glory as a form of worship. It's something he instilled in me. Guys, that's a calling. That's your voca. Whether you're an artist, a designer, uh, you're a banker, you work in finance, accounting, you're a salesperson, God has given you a unique skill set, a thumbprint to serve him on the job. I like what Megan said. Did you hear how she said, I think any job, whether we like it or not, deserves to be done well, to the best of our ability as an act of worship to the sovereign God who's placed us in that position. So understand, work as worship is one of our primary callings as Christian, and we're called to do it with the highest level of excellence. That's the second quality if you're taking notes. Work as worship is done with excellence. Can everyone say this word, excellence? Excellence. You know where it comes from? El is God in the Old Testament Hebrew, Elohim. Ex, like Exodus, out of, out of God. Excellence comes out of God. There's a reason you do your work with excellence. Because it reflects his character. Your, your work is actually a reflection on Christ. And his character is excellent, let me tell you. If you actually flip to Exodus, there's an Old Testament worker by the name of Bezalel, funny name, and God gives him a, a special job. He says, I want you to build my house. In other words, my temple. And uh, here's what it says about Bezalel. It says, I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. What's his specific job? It's to make artistic designs. So he's an artist. For work in gold, silver, and bronze. So he's a metal worker. <laughs> to cut and set stones. Oh, he's a jeweler. <laughs> to work in wood. Whoops, he's a carpenter. <laughs> and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. In other words, Bezalel had all these unique God-given talents, and this is fascinating. Where does the Bible say they came from? Well, he apprenticed for five years and then he went to trade school. No. It says, God says, I have filled him with who? The Spirit of God. Guys, this is the first time in the entire Bible that it says the Holy Spirit filled somebody and it's a graphic designer. <laughs> Give him a praise, graphic designers. That's pretty cool, right? He, he worked in all these, right? Because you, you typically think, well, the Holy Spirit fills pastors in prophets and preachers. No. In verse 6, God actually says, I've given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I've commanded you. See, when you read the Bible, you, you, we, we bring these Western lens that's like, oh, it's the holy people, the, the, the preachers, the, the apostles. No, no, no. It's the ordinary blue-collar workers. It's the skilled artisans whose work is divinely inspired. The point is, God gives every believer a unique talent or ability to be used for his glory. Whether you're a doctor or a nurse, and, and you're the hands of Jesus to help heal the sick, or you're a salesperson who God just empowers to deliver a good presentation, or a business person, you got this ability to create wealth. There's no dichotomy between the secular and the sacred in God's eyes. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So calling is a job you perform with excellence to the glory of God. It doesn't have to be glamorous. It doesn't have to be lucrative. You don't have to make a lot of money at it. It, it could be high-end web work, or maybe you, you know, fix cars with your hands, or you, or, or you make gardens. What, whatever God created you for, the result is life-giving to you and actually blesses other people.
I'll give you an example. It's one of our campuses. I was talking with a, uh, a school teacher. She actually teaches in the inner city. And uh, I said, how are your classes going? She lit up. She, like, she's had this look on her face. She's like, oh, Tim, I love it. I just love what I get to do with my kids. First off, she calls them my kids. That's how you know she's a great teacher, right? And uh, the dropout rate at her school is over 30%. And so I expected her to be depressed. And she's got all, like, kind of emotional. She goes, Tim, I just can't, I pinch myself. I can't believe every day I get to be with my kids and represent Christ to them. Tim, you got to understand, I may be the only functional adult they have in their life. And God called me to mold them 90 minutes every day. That, that's a calling. And let me tell you, it's also hard work. I don't want to pretend a calling isn't challenging, but understand something. Some of the hardest work you will ever do is also the most rewarding. Amen? God doesn't want me and her to switch roles. My friend's doing ministry in her classroom, representing God to her students and her, her co-workers you know, because she teaches with excellence. It's a source of pleasure for her, a blessing to others, and it brings glory to God. Now, one word of clarification, because I know what some of you are thinking. <laughs> some of you are like, well, Tim, that's great for your friend and the designer gal in the video. <laughs> Glad you like what you do. Uh, and you're like, I hate my job, right? My job ain't creative or it's not, you know, rewarding. I don't really see the significance. Well, there's a reason for that. If you flip over one chapter to Genesis 3, one of the curses of the fall when Adam and Eve sinned is that work became hard. <laughs> it became toilsome and frustrating. God said to Adam, hey, because you disobeyed me and you said, I'm the boss, not the employee, cursed is the ground because of you. See, it was a trick question at the beginning. There is a curse here. Cursed is the ground because of you through what? Painful toil. You will eat food from it, but it's going to produce what? Thorns and thistles for you. In other words, it's going to be a pain in the tuchus too, okay? The work I gave you is a gift. It's a gift, but it's now cursed. And so in addition to bringing you pleasure, your work is also going to bring you pain. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Work can be fulfilling, but it's often frustrating. Maybe you do your job and you don't enjoy it. It's only to get a paycheck and put food on the table. Or maybe you have a boss who's a difficult person. Anybody here with, you work with somebody difficult, difficult person? Okay, don't, no, don't point to them. That's not <laughs> right here. Uh, that, all that negative stuff, listen, is a tragic result of the curse here in Genesis. And every single one of us will experience those thorns and thistles at work. That's the reality of a fallen world. In Genesis 3, God says, by the sweat of your brow, <laughs> you'll eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. Translation, work ain't always fun. <laughs> In fact, a lot of times it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Now, this is a major reality check for young adults, okay? If you're here, you're, you know, 20-something, and you're, like, entering the workforce, I get it. You know, that, our, our generation is like, I expect work to be fulfilling, uh, fit my talents perfectly, and I do expect to be paid exorbitantly for it. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, listen, I'm popping your balloon. That sounds great, but it is not the world we live in. It's the world Adam and Eve used to live in, okay? So what do you do if your work is boring? You have to, or your boss is a jerk. You gotta remember who you're really working for. As Colossians 3 commands, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for who? The Lord, not for human masters. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. Why, why do we work hard as Christ followers? Why do we treat our coworkers with compassion and kindness? 
Why do we give our bosses respect, even if they haven't totally earned it or deserve it? Because in a sense, they ain't the boss of you. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I reminded our staff of that this week. I was like, just remember, guys, you don't work for Liquid. You work for the Lord. Let me, let me say that to some of you. You don't work for Verizon. <laughs> you don't work for Novartis. You don't work for the bank. You, you, you aren't just serving customers at the gas station or your store. It's the Lord Christ you're serving. And that should charge your work with divine significance nine to five. Because when it's done well for the glory of God, it's worth doing with the highest level of excellence. God's worthy of our best. Whether your job is stocking shelves or mopping floors or grading papers or writing contracts, whatever you do, do it with excellence. Excellence is out of God. Do it with integrity. That's the third quality of work is worship. It's done with the highest levels of integrity. Let me show you a guy who gets this. This is Mike, and uh, Mike is a president. He runs uh, an investment firm called Bridgeway Capital, and it's a very profitable company, as you'll see, but what's cool is they are motivated by a higher purpose than merely making money. They have a slogan, integrity is who we are. Watch this. Bridger Capital Management is an investment management firm. We manage mutual funds, some endowment money, money for individuals, money for institutions. So we're basically in the stock picking business for people. And integrity is a huge part of who we are. I know a lot of companies say that, but it's absolutely pandemic in here. I mean, it's who we are, it's what we do. We always ask ourselves in every decision, what's in the best long-term interest of the current investors and try to pursue that with vigilance. In our industry, there unfortunately are a lot of people that you can't trust and uh, that's not good. When John started Bridgeway, he put a rule in place that no one would make more than seven times the lowest paid person in the company. It does a couple things. One is it allows you to avoid the conflicts you have inside a company is I want that person's job. So it creates a more collaborative environment. The other thing it does is it keeps your costs low. So the other part of what John envisioned was giving 50% of the profits away to charity. I saw that associates were vying for the position to work for Bridgeway. Now, what is that about? People like working with people of integrity that are really, really serious about it. John and I are, are in cubes. Everyone's in a cube. You can see the, the people working together. You can hear the laughter. You can feel the productivity. We want to make sure that the people that work here really, truly feel loved and cared for. We did a, an exercise a few years ago. and we, we asked everyone in the company, if you had 20% of your time to do something, to make a difference in the world, what would you do? And then we sat out and said, let's make that happen where we will enable a, a Bridgeway partner to take a service trip without having to take a vacation and take their family members, and we cover half the cost of that. We've had people going into countries in Kenya. We have a partner going to China, or we have applied for an award called the Great Places to Work. Part of the application process was getting input from the people that work for you. Each contributed and wrote back what impact Bridgeway had on them. It's exciting to see the impact we had. So much so that we added a third point to our mission statement, which was to become a model and encourage other companies. I would hope that those that aren't would see the love of Christ in everything that we do. But we do want to allow multiple faiths to exist and, and learn from each other. I would hope that when partners finish their career and retire, that they look back and say, I had an organization that really allowed me to grow professionally and personally. You know, I want to look back and you know, have God say, again, a classic, well done, a good and faithful servant that we we're good stewards of the time, the people that we had. Again, pretty cool, right? I mean, a cutthroat world of investing, you don't, yeah, give a hand, because you don't see integrity a lot. And uh, 
You don't typically hear about executives choosing to voluntarily limit their pay or investing 50% of the profits in, in, in missions work. The leaders of Bridgeway Capital, they are a phenomenal example of the highest levels of integrity in the workplace, of Christian ethics, of treating people fairly and humanely. Uh, did you hear that? The, the founder of the firm actually put a rule in place. He said, uh, no one in the company could ever make more than seven times what the lowest paid employee earns. If there's a person who mops you know, the floors in the bathroom all the way up to the CEO, that is pretty counterculture in a cutthroat industry where if you read the newspapers, right, you're just, you're just used to, you know, the people at the top kind of typically, you know, hoarding and dividing the spoils and shortchanging the worker bees and then they leave with a golden parachute. It takes tremendous humility to say, you know what, I started this business, but it's not just going to profit me. I want to be a blessing to others. We're equal partners. I, I love that. Did you catch that? They don't call their employees uh, staff. They say they're partners. And it creates a sense of equality and like collaboration versus a toxic competition where they're trying to step on each other. They actually give their partners time off from work to go on mission trips and, and drill wills. I was like, I like this church, man, that, or this, this company. This company has soul, right? Now, here, here's a question for you. Listen to this. If you had some money to invest, how would you feel about giving it to the guys in the video? Pretty good, right? Why? because they're trustworthy. <laughs> you see, this is the secret. It turns out integrity is actually good for business because people know that you value people over profits. Business owners, understand this. To have integrity means you hold the higher ethical standards than even the world. You, as a Christ follower, you actually go above and beyond what the world expects because you're like, I'm representing a higher kingdom. And the way you do business is a reflection on Christ. So understand, in the workplace, guys, if you shortchange somebody, that's a reflection on Jesus. If you cut corners, if you mistreat employees, if you overpromise and you underdeliver, that is a stain on your Savior. You are representing, representing Jesus in the workplace to those you do business with. And that's why integrity is job number one, guys, for every single Christian, regardless of what you do. From CEO to college student to cleaning bathrooms, your purpose is to represent, represent Jesus, and blessing others is the bottom line. That's the fourth and final quality. I'll end with this. Work as worship, guys, makes blessing others its bottom line. And this has special significance for those of you who are stay-at-home parents, or maybe you're a caregiver, and uh, you know, maybe you're raising kids and making meals, and, and you're sitting here today, and you're like, oh, it's about work. I don't work, you know? Fashion designers, business people, you know, man, all, all I do is make lunches and, and fold laundry. I, I'd love to make my mark in the, you know, out in the business world. Let me stop. I want to close by letting you hear from Bronwyn. She is a stay-at-home mom who left a prestigious career in the corporate world to raise her kids at home, but she still views her work as worship. To two sweet little girls, my day-to-day -day routine is getting the girls up, getting them fed, getting them clothed, getting them off to either school or whatever daily activity we have. There are times when it's difficult. You know, I had a big corporate job. I was managing multi-million dollar software implementations and making good money. I was getting to travel all over the country and um, experience things I had never experienced. Sometimes I miss that sense of accomplishment that I received in the corporate world. Sometimes I feel like, does, does God really care that I'm 
picking up these toys or does God really care that I'm changing this diaper? And you wonder, is this really honoring God? But this is what God wants for my life right now. He wants me to grow and nurture these children to love Him. And He is there to, to help me through the difficult times when maybe I don't feel that passionate about what I'm doing. This last year, I've become involved with a ministry at our church that ministers to teenage mothers. This ministry gives us the opportunity to mentor to a teenage mom one-on-one and to their child too, and just love them where they are in life. I hope that I am setting an example for the girls and that they can see Christ's work through me. I feel like this has been an incredible way to show my children um, true service and also just staying focused on the most important thing there is, and that's to raise my girls to be Christ followers. This is my job. This is honoring Him by raising these children and hopefully doing a good job to raise them to love Him as well. I treasure my job now and I treasure that responsibility and I'm glad that that God put me in a position where I could stay at home and raise my children. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, that, that is work as worship. Never let lack, yeah, give a praise to, um, we have gratitude for those of you who are parents and caregivers. I don't want, never let lack of a salary fool you into thinking something lacks significance in the eyes of God. If you're a parent or you're, you're a stay at home, you take care of the kids or, or take care of elderly folks, the inspiration, guys, for your parenting work is Jesus. What did Jesus do? For three years, Jesus poured his life into 12 teenagers, okay? Teaching, loving, caring for, hand-holding these guys through everything. He's like, they are not getting it. <laughs> and then he literally laid down his life for them. And at the high point of his ministry, Jesus actually took off his cloak and he put on a kitchen apron, and he bent down on his hands and knees, and he washed their what? Feet. Whatever you believe about Jesus, you got to agree, that was below his pay grade, yeah? At some point, I'm thinking the God of the universe, the creator of it all, Jesus Christ, said, is this, is this making any difference? <laughs> Are these guys getting it? Is washing feet my calling in life? Guys, these are the questions we ask every day with our own kids. Whether you're shuttling kids around like an Uber driver or cleaning up Legos for the thousandth time in on the family room. It seems mundane, it seems pointless, but when you take time and pour out your life to raise, nurture, and raise a child or care for another human being, you are doing Jesus' work. You are imitating your Lord and Savior in a profound way. As 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he what? Became poor. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. What's Paul's point? The Apostle Paul's saying, hey, the most powerful, influential, successful person to ever walk the face of, his, of the earth, he spent his life in the service of others. Jesus was not motivated by profit. He didn't try to build a platform. He simply loved the small group of people who he called his family, those 12 disciples, and he put up with their petty arguments and their backbiting and their betrayals, and they took a washcloth and washed their feet. That is work is worship. It is the heart of servant leadership. 
So mom, understand when you take a washcloth and you give your baby a bath, that's worship. Dad, when you drive your kids to the practice and drop them off and you wait in the car while it's raining and snowing, that's worship. When you take time to help them with their homework, that's worship, especially with the new math. I mean, that's worship right there, man. (laughs) Caregivers, when you take an aging parent into your home and now the roles are reversed and you're caring for their health needs, you are mirroring Jesus Christ. You are doing work as worship, which makes blessing others its bottom line, amen? So what I want to do today is I want to end a little differently. I want to pray a prayer of commissioning on every single person in this church who works, okay, at every campus. So what I'm going to do in about 30 seconds is I'm going to read a list of jobs, and I want to ask you to stand up when you hear yours, okay? I'm going to read some of the occupations just represented across our church, and I want to pray over you and bless you, and maybe tomorrow you'll say, TGIM, thank God it's Monday. I get, I, get to, <laughs> I know. That's why I'm going to pray for you, okay? <laughs> because you're going to realize... I've been given this incredible privilege of representing Jesus on my job, okay? So I'm going to read this list of um, cate- job categories. And when you hear your job, just, just stand up right where you are at your campus. These are broad categories, so be flexible, okay? So right now, would you stand up if you're a creative, uh, meaning you're a, a designer or, uh, or you're in marketing or video or television, web or print. Uh, stand up if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur or maybe you run a division of a business. If you're in the healthcare industry, would you stand up? Maybe you're a doctor or a nurse. Maybe you're in pharma. We have a lot of drug dealers in this church. Let me tell you, tell you what, man, okay? <laughs> Education, teachers, stand up. Coaches, athletics, uh, maybe you're parenting, you're, you're raising your kids at home, you're homeschooling, whatever. Government, how about uh, state, local, federal, police, military? Okay, awesome. Real estate, if you're in construction or uh, architecture, transportation. How about the trades? Uh, plumbers, electricians, auto mechanics, mechanics, partner, carpenters, okay? Law, lawyers, finance, accounting, tax lawyers. We love you too, Grace, okay? <laughs> if you work for a nonprofit, maybe you're in the social services or something, or you're in ministry, stand on up. How about the service industry? Uh, food service, you, you work at a restaurant, retail. Maybe you're a hairstylist, you are blessed, okay, awesome. If you're a personal trainer, something like that. Business, technology, information, manufacturing, engineering, okay, all right. Students, students stand up, you got a job. You're, you're re- you, I know, it's not glamorous, but let me tell you something. You are representing Christ in your high school. And when everybody else cheats on that exam and you hold to integrity, God sees that. You're representing Jesus to your fellow students. Okay, I got a last category. It's called other, all right? <laughs> if you're not standing, stand on up, stand on up, okay? Let's bow our heads. Put your hands out, though. Put your hands out. This is a prayer of commissioning. Father, right now, we're putting our hands out to you. I thank you that you called us to work, God. I thank you that you fashioned us by your own hands. And now, Father, we've been made in your image. And so I pray an anointing right now on every man and woman and student, God. May we do our work with excellence, God so that it brings glory to you. God, right now I commission your children, these men and women, to conduct business with the highest levels of integrity. God, may blessing others become our bottom line. Father, I pray this week as we leave this church that we are now entering the mission field. We're going from your house now to represent you, to be a missionary in the marketplace. So Lord, bless us, Father God, 
I pray that you'll give us words to point people to you and that when people see us, they'll see something different and they'll see Jesus shining through us. So we thank you, Father. Anoint your people. We commission them to make an impact on this world. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, give the creator a praise. He's a good God. He's a powerful God. He formed you on purpose. Awesome. Well, listen, hey, you can remain standing. That actually concludes our service today. I'm going to dismiss you. Uh, some of our pastors are staying in the lobby, so make sure you stop by and say hi. But God bless you as you head home. Stay warm, stay safe. We'll see you next week, guys. You're dismissed. God bless you guys.